This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Frank Music Company, the last store in New York City dedicated to selling classical sheet music, just closed its doors, which made for a lot of weeping and wailing about the latest bricks-and-mortar store to bow to the pressure of online competition. So without an actual shop to browse and get advice, what digital options are there for classical musicians, and could they in fact be better? For some perspective on this, we are joined in the studio by Todd Reynolds, a violinist and composer here in New York. You're hearing a bit of his music now. Todd performs almost exclusively using digital formats. On the line from Israel, we have Ron Regev, a pianist who is the head of Tanara, a company that developed an interactive sheet music app for iPads. Todd, I'm going to start with you. It sounds like the closing of Frank Music, or even before that, Patelson's or Colony Records, didn't have too much impact on you in your daily work as a musician. Exactly. Well, in, in my daily work as a musician, I, I work more closely with publishers themselves than I do actually with music stores. Although, back in the day when I did play a lot of traditional music, I do remember Patelson's. I remember the quiet, and I remember you know, browsing through music there and the helpfulness of anybody who uh, who worked there. So I really did used to enjoy that. But in my day-to-day work now, I work directly with composers and publishers themselves. Well, no matter what you're doing online, is there not something irretrievably lost from that interaction with the sales clerks and with the fellow musicians in a store? And is there any replacement for that? Well, there's certainly a difference in terms of touching paper. And I mean, we, we find that with books as well. And uh, although that can sometimes be romanticized, it's really true. There's something different in touching a physical object. There's also something really different in having a human interaction. I mean, curation has changed all over the place. You know, Facebook is a curation of the individual. It's basically uh, these types of choices that sales clerks would help us make or, or discuss with us or, or get engaged in. Yeah, that's all taking place online. And there are places that that does take place online. And uh, once again, going back to the publishers, most publishers do provide online perusal scores so you can find things. Different editions, this is a question that uh, that I'm not as familiar with as I once was. So where do you get all your music now? If I hear of a composer... Uh, the first place, uh, and I hear of a piece by a composer that I that has been recommended to me or that I might be interested in, the first place I go is to the composer's website. If that composer is linked up with a publisher, then I probably end up on the publisher's website. And at that point, usually, usually, not always, there are uh, sufficient materials for perusal so that I can actually listen and read and, and look at a piece of music. And where do you go to get your Beethoven? Where do I go to? Ah, now, that's a question. Okay, let's go even even deeper than Beethoven. Let's just go to Bach, right? So let's say I want the Bach Chaconne. Well, the first thing I'll just do is use Google, and I'll look for any link which has attached to it a PDF. I remember I did this a couple of years ago. I was able to find the manuscript in not two clicks, but one. Ron, you have a company, Tanara, that has developed what you call interactive sheet music. Can you explain about that? 
of course, first of all, small correction in the company. We have uh, a CEO, we have uh, people who are scientists, programmers. I'm the head of the musicians at the company. So I can't take all the credit. There are amazing people working there. The problem that we're talking about is uh, comparable to what happened to recordings. They used to be physical. We used to have LPs and then CDs. And then in the late 90s, it was replaced by MP3s. But there's no reason for the physical representation anymore. And now most people get their music from iTunes and services such as iTunes. The same process is happening now with sheet music. It also happened with books. So... People can find now their uh, physical copies of their music still in online stores, and there are many of them. Amazon is always a great place to look for it, or Sheet Music Plus. There are so many things that you can do when you use a digital device. So Todd is using PDFs. Uh, I don't know if he's using um, Bluetooth pedal to uh, flip the pages. What Tonara did was to develop technology that can actually listen to the performance, compare what is expected to what is actually played, follow the playing on the score regardless of tempo changes or mistakes, and then flip the pages exactly at the right moment. And in the process, unfortunately, we have quite a few page turners who become jobless. (laughs) But uh, still, it's better for me when I go up on stage. Does it take some adjusting, getting used to not having an actual person? Does it kind of freak people out that a machine is turning the page? Well, it's always a great source of attraction. It can also be a bit confusing for the performer because now I'm at a point that sometimes I play still from from paper, sometimes I use the pedal, and sometimes I use Tonara that flips on its own, and I discover myself playing from paper, getting to the end of the page and expecting it to miraculously turn itself. (laughs) It doesn't happen. Todd, you've actually brought the pedal in here with you. Yes. Uh, Ron, for your information, I I do use Fourscore and I use use an air turn. And it's it's a small pedal, which is very, very light. It is Bluetooth technology. And the pedal itself simply emulates the arrow keys on a computer keyboard. That's all it's really doing. So that's what allows us to flip forward and, and backward through the music. And it sits on the floor, unattached to anything, as long as it's charged. And, uh, and I've had exactly the same problem that, uh, that, that Ron indicates. When I'm playing with paper, it does get confusing. And all of these digital applications, while they are so incredibly useful, the one thing you actually have to do is practice and be used to them. And uh, and when you do, then, then everything goes quite smoothly, actually. To the pedal question, I'm going to give that one to you, Ron, because you're a pianist. You already have pedals to use. Is this now going to be incorporated into piano lessons from now on, that there are there is one extra pedal for turning pages? The foot pedals are extremely useful, but I consider them to be transitional technology. In fact, it is cumbersome. For a pianist, if I want to play a very soft passage and I want to use my left pedal on the piano, Obviously, I will have to lift that pedal in order to touch the Bluetooth pedal, and that's less than ideal. Now, if I were an organist, that would be next to impossible. And uh, that's the reason why the future probably is in technology that allows the devices to follow the music themselves and take care of page turning on their own. One of the more serious things that we could also discuss is what happens when you drop your iPad 
in an airport on the corner of an airport chair, and it shatters the glass and is unusable. This sounds like the voice of experience. Right. Well, actually, <laughs> thankfully, this has not happened to me. But knowing that it could, what I do have is all of my scores are stored on the cloud in Dropbox. What this then means is that in the worst possible scenario, if I had to go out and spend another $500 on an iPad, at least within, you know, by downloading a $10 application and logging on to Dropbox, I would have every score I needed within the space of, I would say, probably no more than 20 minutes, maybe less. And I could also borrow anybody's iPad, too, and do the same thing, give them $10. Well, that brings me to the question of borrowing versus sharing versus pirating. You borrow somebody else's iPad and you can download your stuff. How many downloads do you get from something if you are subscribed or whatever? And how possible is it to share music legally or illegally? The question of ownership is changing, just as, as Ron mentioned, with all the technology. Everything is changing daily. Curation, ownership, publishers, in my experience, even still will not send you a PDF because of the absolutely understandable fear that this is so mobile that some power will be lost in terms of being able to track its usage. It's a complicated question, and things are very, very malleable right now. I think that we don't have the, the tracking technology, and we do not have the infrastructure in place right now to really serve both performers and composers well enough in terms of protecting and uh, having the music paid for. Ron, with Tanara, your app is free, but you have to pay for each score. So how many devices are you allowed to put each score onto, and what do you do about sharing legal and illegal? It is a very tricky question. Uh, we feel that there are a few publishers who understand the difficulty, and they're already adjusting in the same way that recording companies have adjusted to the MP3 revolution. The problem is that many of them are trying to cling to their old models, and they see their income dwindling, which is a tragedy because no one will produce this high quality type of musical research that these editions produce. So we're losing everything. There is the word IMSLP is bound to surface in this conversation. It's a huge repository of all the public domain scores that have been accumulated in the world, which is very much like Wikipedia. And people just scan their scores and they upload them, and everything there is legal. And when we think about students and performers who usually don't have too much money, of course they will prefer to download a legal score from there, even if it is an older edition, which is not as good. So the way Tonar works is that we have agreements with the publishers and we share revenues. So whenever someone downloads a score, actually some of the revenue goes back to the original publisher, to the original right owner, and this way we can support the publishers and help them continue to create these wonderful scores. I think we all need to be very conscientious. As Todd said, it's very easy to pirate things, and it's in the worst interests of all musicians to do so because after, after some piracy, we simply will have no one to pirate from. Hmm. You mentioned IMSLP. We should probably define for people who don't know about that what it is. It's the Internet Music Score Library Project, and this is a supposedly public domain catalog, but as you say, there's some stuff up there, thousands and thousands of scores that may or may not actually be in public domain. Yeah, I, I think the, the trick is to really begin to educate good neighbor policy. With the advent of Bandcamp 
and some of the other projects which allow you to, to pay what you can or what you want for music, I think something has to, has to come down here where students, uh, and I think this is software too, where students are supported, where people of low, of low income levels are supported who want to do this work, where people can actually participate in some really good neighbor paying what they can for things uh, without being hit with enormous and unrealistic uh, prices. I just had this situation uh, the other day where a student wanted to play a composition that is off my record, not my own. It's a composition of David Lang's. And this student, even before I had talked with her, went straight to the publisher to rent the music for her student recital. Now, there's somebody who is incredibly conscientious to start out with. Uh, Were we able to to uh, have that instilled in all of our students. But I think that it's possible to really begin that conversation of saying, you know, it's right to pay for things. Amanda Palmer has, for instance, has contributed greatly to that, uh, to that conversation in the recorded music domain. The rock singer. Yes. I want to go back a little bit to Tanara and how it works. And, and with digital music, just the whole concept of how you make your little annotations in the music. Because if it's on an iPad... You can't write on it with a pencil. Well, you sort of can, actually. And, and then I'll, I'll get out of the way and let, let Ron respond. I do find that a stylus absolutely helps. But uh, at least in the music program that I use, and I'm sure equally in Ron's, there's unlimited annotation. Todd is absolutely right. What you can do digitally, once you get accustomed to all the options, you can free draw, you can type, you can highlight, you can use little stamps of common musical symbols, and you can color code them, you can filter them by date, you can turn them on and off. So, for instance, if you play the same piece with different people, you can create different sets of annotations for each performance. You end up with a far more efficient and friendly usage of annotation than uh, what you used to have on paper. I use a program called uh, Fourscore, uh, and I was an early adopter. I don't, re- I can't, I don't remember how many years ago I started using an iPad, sort of exclusively, as a lot of my close colleagues have. And what I'm hearing uh, about Tornara is pretty lovely. The idea of having different editions of markings and of annotations. Uh, this is very interesting. The uh, one question I would ask with the pitch recognition technology, Ron which allows the iPad to listen and to and to uh, turn pages automatically. What is the instrument there for starting over or going back to a measure or doing that? Because it would seem like, like that is a pretty contiguous thing, that it's a process, and then you have to stop that process before going back. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? I understand completely. Actually, Our company developed two applications. Tonara is the one for professional musicians, which is aimed mostly at an actual performance. You start at the beginning, you continue all the way through. We have another one called Wolfie for Piano, named after Mozart, of course. In this one, what we created was an application that is meant for students and teachers and their interaction. Tonara is capable of understanding when you stop or when you skip a little and adjust itself. With Wolfie, you can basically just start wherever you want in the page, and it will find you. And if it doesn't, in both of them, you simply tap the place where you want to start, and it assumes that you're going to start from there once you start again. Understood. And is there any uh, plan to, to bundle the two? 
we're trying to actually separate the two because we discovered that the needs of students and teachers uh, are different than the needs of performers who go up on stage mm -hmm. um, to address some other issues advantages of the software understanding what the music is, what the music is all about is for instance we can support repeats and you can say which repeats you want to take and which you don't it will simply follow the flow that you determined and of course i speak as uh, a representative of a specific company but there are many great ideas out there uh, on ipads and on other tablets that are completely worthy of exploration do we think that this is now going to completely erase the need for printed sheet music. Uh, when you go to the Boozy and Hawks website now, they have a digital music store that says, and I'm quoting, this, certain pieces must be printed out by you within seven days of purchase and cannot be downloaded to your machine. Is that so 20th century that the idea of printing out music is completely disappearing? I'm sorry, but that's caveman, not 20th century. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. They're not going to survive. It's an attempt to try and force the 21st century back into the 20th. Well, thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure to be here. This has been Conducting Business. Our guests have been Ron Regev from the app Tonara and violinist and composer Todd Reynolds. Brian Wise is our producer. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.